This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona, this is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is gonna have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room, Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It's Tuesday, 14 March, a year of our Lord, 2023. I, I couldn't uh, imagine two better people uh, to hang out in the early evening with than Julie Kelly or Cash Patel, and we've got them both tonight uh, on a number of issues and really thank them for changing their schedule around today to join us. Um, I want to start with everything related to um, J6, what's happened, this, this kind of... Um, uh, what McBride released the other day, this this uh, amazing development in the in the Proud Boys case. Uh, and I want to bring in Julie Kelly from that from America Greatness. She's done the best day to day reporting and analysis of this. Cash is going to join us here in, in a second. As you know, Ch Cash is the author of the upcoming uh, unredacted version of Government Gangsters that somehow is working its way through the Pentagon or DOJ or somewhere. But we'll get an update with Cash in a minute. Julie. Uh, get our audience up to speed. What is, there's been some, you know, Alex Jones put some things out last week. There's explosive uh, revelations coming. There's this report. You actually said it's something you hadn't seen. Uh, get get us up to speed of what's going on. And I, one of the questions I got is this kind of like when Julie Kelly tells me there's something out there she hasn't seen. Is this like the anal analogy to the 44,000 hours of footage that, you know, they got in the Tucker got a release to? Is this something they've been holding back? Explain to our audience exactly what's going on. They have been. And apparently after Joe McBride posted this, and this was a 96-page report that was published by D.C. Metropolitan Police Department that detailed the protests that were planned the 4th, 5th, and 6th. Um, their entire response team including intelligence and undercover units, um, how they should be dressed, what they should be looking for. This report I have never seen. And apparently after I posted it, when Joe sent it to me, um, some defendants came back to me and said that this has been designated highly sensitive government information, just like all of the surveillance video. But it again is more evidence that undercuts the idea that law enforcement was completely unprepared, they had no idea what was going to happen that day. And to me, Steve, one of the most illuminating parts of it is that there were at least two anti-Trump rallies that were planned in Washington, including one at the Capitol um, around the same time that the joint session was scheduled to convene at one o'clock that day. Uh, so we haven't seen any response from DC Metro Police or DOJ. That's why this has been basically kept under seal for now more than two years, just like the videos and just like so many other pieces of um, exculpatory evidence. January 6th was not at all anything close to an insurrection. Okay. I, I want to make sure that we uh, that uh, Captain Bannon and uh, Grace link to this. I put it up the other day on GitHub, but I want to make sure we link to it again. So just one more time, because I'm in cash and cash was acting a chief of staff over at the Pentagon. And, and this is kind of totally different. Then I think what Chris Miller was told in Chris Miller's book, I mean, specifically, because I've read it, I've read those chapters a couple of times. Go back again. This 96 page report. Uh, it just it just Joe McBride got it. You helped get it out there and released. But it's been under wraps now for almost two years. Specifically, what are the big reveals in, in this report about Metro and, and intelligence and, and, and government assets? I think the biggest reveal is that once again, law enforcement was not caught off guard. Donald Trump did not incite the violence at the Capitol, uh, that intelligence agencies, and we know this now from testimony in the January 6th committee even, uh, that intelligence agencies from the Department of Homeland Security, FBI, DOJ, uh, DCDHS, all had warning signs that violence might occur. And the very fact that this report exists, and it goes through all of the street closures, it goes through the expected um, uh, uh, um, protests that were going to happen. It talks about surveilling churches and hotels and airports. It specifically designates by name 
officers who were going to be deployed at certain vantage points throughout the Capitol, especially between the White House and Capitol Hill. It talks about using undercover assets, which by the way, we know also happened. There's a pending motion by a defendant who's representing himself that uncovered three undercover DC police officers who were behind Ashley Babbitt before she went into the Capitol. And one of them can be heard imploring people to follow them and go inside. The government's trying to uh, cover that up as well. All of this is coalescing at a perfect time on the heels of the release of the Tucker tapes um, as the American people are slowly realizing, maybe quickly realizing, Steve, um, that what they thought they saw on January 6th is not the reality and that something really sinister and nefarious happened that day and how the government, House Democrats, and yes, the news media have been covering it up ever since. Okay, uh, the J6 committee, this is what I'm confused about. They had access to all this. Did they make a conscious decision not to uh, air this or talk about it publicly? Because if you look at it, maybe I'm wrong, but you've covered this in in, in, in minutiae. I think I followed it pretty closely since I drew a four-month prison sentence for federal a federal prison sentence over it. Mm-hmm. Um, did the J6 ever, I actually think that their narrative, at least what they put publicly, countered what's in this document did they ever cover this in detail and if they didn't cover it wouldn't liz cheney and 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 uh, kinziger at least had copies of it was there was this a conscious suppression of this information by j6 committee or did this ever even get hinted at it absolutely was a cover-up i'm sure that they have this document but as you will recall, Steve, there was internal strife at the committee, which is why the final report was delayed at least six times, because you had investigators on a specific team, I believe it was the blue team, that spent 18 months investigating what agencies had what intelligence, why law enforcement was so ill-prepared, what law enforcement agencies were involved. Um, that information ultimately at the direction of Liz Cheney was buried in an appendix in this 8837-page report. So this prompted a lot of outrage from the investigators and staffers, some of whom resigned from the committee in protest. Then after the report came out, one of the lead investigators gave an interview with Ken Delinian, one of Cash Patel's favorite reporters, by the way, at NBC News, who complained about how the committee did not do its due diligence, did not inform the American people as to why law enforcement intelligence agencies were so uh, ill-prepared. So this is probably one of the thousands of pieces of material hidden away in the hundred boxes or so, banker's boxes of evidence that the January 6th committee has abandoned, never made available to the public despite promises that they would. Um, So uh, I think it was very illuminating and I wanna commend Joe for making it public because it's time now to play uh, hardball the way that the government has. They have materials that the government has arbitrarily designated as classified, sensitive, et cetera. Let it loose, publish it, let's see it all. Um, Stop letting the government uh, hide this material, not just from the American people, but the defendants whose lives are on the line by this vengeful, uh, ruthless prosecution by Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco's DOJ. Hang on for a second. Let's put a pin in that part about the prisoners, and I'm going to come back to it in a second. I want to bring in Cash. Cash, we've had Chris Miller on the show twice. Once, I think, in one of his first interviews about his book, and then after Morning Joe tried to grill him, we had him back on uh, again about the book. I've gone through the book a couple times, and I want to go back to that Sunday when they had the, uh, when he had to actually force a meeting. You know, they, they he tried to get in-person meeting, and people said, no, 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 there's too much going on, so they did a Zoom or a, a Zoom meeting, I think. If you look at this report, I, I, I think, and if you read the book, these participants here actually participants on that call actually lied and misled Chris Miller, who was acting Secretary of Defense. You were acting Chief of Staff. Can can you square these? Because it looks like totally different than the information Chris Miller was told on the Sunday before the Tuesday, and and he was trying to get people ready and focus on this. He had a very tough time corralling people. And then, and in, 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 at least in the meeting, and he and I've not just went through the book, but I asked him on two times on the thing. That nowhere near 
this is what you would expect to have happened. That's not what they told Chris Miller. Did they purposely, the departments of our government purposely mislead Chris Miller because he was an interim designee by, by Donald J. Trump and you were chief of staff over there? Yeah, I'm going to answer that in a second, but this is how I like to phrase the landscape of this Intel dive. How is it that Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks had better intelligence than our FBI, DHS, and Metropolitan Police Department in D.C.? How is it that Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks knew to board up all the shops around the Capitol one week beforehand, but our intelligence community and law enforcement apparatus did not know that? Now let's fast forward to the meetings. I was there. I was chief of staff at DOD. I was with Chris every second of every day for these weeks, um, almost entirely. And what we tried to do numerous occasions was get the leadership structure on the phone, and all they wanted to do was deflect. Whoever was the acting AG, I can't even remember anymore, barely uh, participated in any conversation. Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, wanted nothing to do with it. And I refuse to believe then, and I've said it every day since, that the FBI didn't have intelligence on the events of January 6th. We now know that they did. They finally released that report from the Virginia field office, and we are now finally starting to see all the other intel that was there. They withheld this information from the Secretary of Defense. It doesn't matter if you're acting or otherwise. You are still the number one military civilian in the United States of America, beholden only to the president of the United States. And that is why we went to Donald Trump and said, we still feel you need to act. And that's why Donald Trump authorized up to 20,000 National Guards men and women days ahead of time. And if you don't believe us, look at Biden's inspector general from his Department of Defense. He said the Trump DOD leadership acted appropriately, swiftly, and without delay when it comes to the events of January 6th. And our involvement was to augment the security posture there. That means we now know they lied about intel. And we, of course, know that Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser refused the request of National Guard because they cared more about optics and politics than the security of the Capitol structure. Okay, I'm going to go back to Julian a second on, on, the, on the legal side and the prisoners themselves and about the explosive nature of this and the Tucker taste. But here, here's what this is what, and help me out here. And, and Julie, I'll come to you for this in a second. This is why we have to have an entirely rebooted January 6th committee that lets the Democrats have, even as bad as they are, and they leak depositions on the weaponization, we just got rid of tighter. You have to have a real committee, like the Watergate mm -hmm. committee. Uh, like the Pearl Harbor uh, commissions, like the 9-11, like the financial meltdown of 2008, you have to have a formal one. Not like I'm arguing in appeals court that this was not a, a, a real committee because you didn't have a ranking member and you didn't have minority counsel. So minority counsel can get the information and cross-examine witnesses. The American people, I said this on Tim Pool the other night, before this even came out, you have to... I guess it just come out. You, you, you have the American people need to know exactly what happened from three November. And I'm not even saying go back to the summer love. That that would be ten. Just go start at three November and go through the whole thing and get it all on the table. All the footage that's relevant. All the reports. All the material. What, who was the intelligence? What was the federal government's involvement? Uh, you know, did tr Trump make good moves? Did he not make good moves? To let the chips fall where they may. But what's so maddening about this? is you see these blockbusters come out and it's mm -hmm. like, wow, how did that happen? And didn't we already have a committee and how did that committee not have this? And then Julie says, well, look, there's some guys that may have quit over it and may be buried down in a box. This is the way, this is why the Warren commission report is not, is not, nobody believes it today. This is, we can't have this. This is a ticking time bomb. This is a sore. This is a cancer in the heart of American this republic and, and American democracy. And it puts every institution in our government, people say, oh, Bannon just wants to burn everything down. I want these institutions to try to reform themselves and save themselves. If we don't have a new committee, and the Republicans sit there and you talk to these guys at the Hill and they go, oh, no, 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 no. Politics is about the future. We got to put that in the mm -hmm. rearview mirror. Don't want to talk about it. You can't. We can never overcome this wound until we get to it. Your, your thoughts, sir? Look, as the guy that ran the Russiagate investigation, and we actually put out a committee-led effort to tell the truth, I agree with you. As the guy who was the first, Steve, remember, I was the first guy subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Plus 255,000 in legal bills. 
I went in there with the truth. I armed them with the information about Donald Trump and our meeting in the Oval Office and the intelligence and the lack of leadership. I provided them with nine exhibits, including the DOD Inspector General report, the Capitol Police timeline, Mayor Bowser's letter, and Nancy Pelosi's refusal. They actually cut my exhibits from their final report and called it a clerical error. These people never wanted the truth. All of this speaks to the fact of what you're saying. We need a real committee. I don't know that we're gonna get it, but we in Congress, when we're talking about constitutional oversight, that is our one goal. Like we did with Russiagate when we put out the Nunes memo and everything else, it didn't matter what the media said. We were serving the American people by putting out the truth. And that's what January 6th needs. Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna tell this audience right now, I'll guarantee you one thing. If we don't get it now by forcing McCarthy's hand, we will get it in the afternoon of January 20th of 2025, this will be ordered by the then President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. We're going to get to the bottom of this thing. This is too yeah. important. For, remember, the Pearl Harbor commissions and committees went for a number of years. I think it was like eight or nine years they kept going. The, the, and, and they still didn't quite get it right. Julie Kelly, do we need, does McCarthy and, and, uh, and, and Jordan and this team need to step up today and say, hey, we got to hit rewind on this. We got to go back and do this the right way. We got to start over again. And let the Democrats have their best. Let them have Goldman. Let them have all these, 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 these guys that they think they're all tough prosecutors. Do we need a real committee to get to the bottom of this, ma'am? We absolutely do. And I hope that you keep calling for that. This weaponization committee is not the body that should be addressing such a massive ongoing problem. This is the future, Steve. Uh, Department of Justice just now announced the arrest of another January 6th protester, a man from New Jersey who's charged with civil disorder and other trespassing misdemeanors. Matthew Graves, the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, said that this caseload will double since when do we put a quota on criminal investigations? This campaign of terror against Trump supporters and Americans who dared to protest Joe Biden's illegitimate election is ongoing. We need a special January 6th select committee to do the work. And to Cash's point, the acting attorney general at the time was Jeffrey Rosen. Um, he assembled elite FBI forces at Quantico the weekend before January 6th. What were they doing what were they preparing for? And when he deployed them to Washington, D.C. the morning of January 6th, what exactly did they do? I'll tell you something else that we just found out from body-worn camera footage. Michael Sherwin, who is the acting D.C. U.S. attorney at the time, was undercover in street clothes walking around the Trump speech and then walking towards the Capitol as he was talking with police officers. Guess who else he was communicating with the whole time? Stephen D'Antuano. I know you know that name, Steve Bannon, Stephen D'Antuano, who is running the Washington field office. We also know from witness testimony, Stephen D'Antuano's name is all over people saying that the Washington field office and Stephen D'Antuano specifically was collecting intelligence from field offices across the country. Everything ran through that man and his office. Who did the January 6th committee not interview? Stephen D'Antuano. Or Christopher Ray, by the way. This was a total sham cover-up. They left the Capitol intentionally unsecure because they wanted the events and provoked the events of that day for the very reason of why here we are 26 months later, unbelievably, the FBI investigating, interrogating, harassing, and now DOJ prosecuting um, from a four-hour pro political protest now more than two years ago. It is ongoing. It needs to stop. And the Republicans need to recalibrate their efforts, stop talking about parents who are being surveilled at school board meetings, et cetera. That's old news. This is new news. It's developing every single day. Time to get on the ball. I commend McCarthy for what he did with the video. There's a lot more just like it out there ready to be uncovered. And um, the American people told the truth. What, 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 what's your understanding on Capitol Hill? What's holding this back? You hear that even McCarthy is getting massive blowback. Uh, by the rhinos and, and the Republican Party is saying, oh, no, this is we just get a we have to focus on the future. We can't go back to January 6th. It reminds people of this awful day. What, what does your reporting tell you? 
I think that there is some frustration that things are going so slowly that the staffing of um, these committees overall is very slow. Apparently, what I've also heard is there's not the budget available, which I, I don't know how you can control the budget strings to some extent and not have that happen. But look, Steve, January 6th has always been about the base. When I started recovering this, I could not get, I could get very few House Republicans, MTG, Paul Gosar, Louis Gomer, to even talk to me about this. No one else would hear me out. That dramatically shifted towards the end of 2021. You know why? Because they went home and this became such an issue with the base. And Cash and I saw this at CPAC and I see it wherever I go. It is such an issue with the base that they were forcing House Republicans, Republican um, in Washington, to confront the issue of political prisoners, to confront this prosecution. Um, and so it has always been a top issue with the base. I would suggest now it could be number one, uh, next, pro probably comparable to uh, illegal immigration. But the American people now know that they have been deceived by the January 6th committee, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, this Department of Justice, the FBI, the entire Biden regime continues to lie and cover up. And it, we could bury it, except that it is fundamentally altering um, the, our legal system uh, of justice in America and opening up the weapons of war against American citizens. That cannot be tolerated. And so that is why a special January 6th committee has to be formed and uh, unleashed. One of the areas of my appeal is obviously on the structure of this committee. And that, that's, you know, people can argue about that. There's some legal theories and, and, and about this, uh, about the tapes, about in the congressional hearing, whether it should be a new congressional hearing. Um, obviously, we think it's got to be, there is a counter argument, maybe both in Republicans and Democrats. That's what democracy is about. What's not open for question, though, correct me if I'm wrong, is in a legal process where people are, uh, are, are being held in solitary confinement, being held a couple of years before they come to trial, could face long terms in prison. The releasing of exculpatory evidence to their defense teams to make their case. What I think is confusing is that, uh, and help us out here, because uh, you've covered this, the, 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 the Tucker tapes. And then last week, whatever this brouhaha was about the Proud Boys, where they essentially shut the case down for a couple of days, and then the release of this report, explain to our audience, are these defendants, whether they did bad things or not, are, are they all getting due process? Are they all getting full and complete access to everything that went on so that they can defend themselves in a federal court for pretty extensive criminal charges? No, and let's go to the Proud Boys. No one wants to touch the Proud Boys because I guess they're icky or because Christopher Ray says they're a domestic terror organization. Of course, they were out there fighting BLM and Antifa for years because of trying to help the police. You could disagree with what they did on January 6th. One of them wasn't even there. And places, places like Portland, like places like right. Portland and Seattle, you know, I, I always consider it like a, a men's drinking club, club like a beer club that would come together but they they were in they were in port michael yan hung out uh, observed them for a while in portland and in seattle and other places that kind of you know uh that chaz group and element they always had the proud boys uh were there but in, they were kind of like a, a a men's it seemed like to me like a men's drinking club right that's what they uh, said or guys getting drinking. together and, and do this and keep in mind in december so, of 2020 so now, when the proud boys were there for one of the stop the steel rallies Four of them were stabbed outside of a bar by a BLM activist. So the ones creating the violence were not the Proud Boys. It was the left wingers. So at any rate, regardless of what you think, and there's a lot of misperception about this case, four of those men have been held under pretrial detention orders for more than two years. They are not. They have not been convicted of any crime. They do not have any criminal record. Judge Tim Kelly has kept them behind bars for more than two years because they, quote unquote, attacked the Capitol. Now you have Judge Tim Kelly fully invested in conviction so he can justify his cruel uh, decision to keep these men incarcerated away from their families, away from their defense attorneys, kept in solitary confinement for months during the first part of their imprisonment. Um, what's happening in this trial due process? No, let's start right there. Innocent before proven guilty. Sixth 
Amendment, Speedy Trial Act, Fourth Amendment. I mean, all of the uh, Bill of Rights protections have been completely obliterated in this D.C. courthouse. Now what's happening um, is evidence that has been concealed, possibly destroyed, certainly doctored, as we know what was coming out in the trial last week. And just as one of the defense attorneys had one of the lead FBI case agents on the hot seat confronting her about messages that they found also talking about violating attorney-client privilege, intercepting emails between one defendant and his attorney, passing that information along to the lead prosecutor on the case. I'd love to hear Cash's view on that. Judge Tim Kelly shuts down the cross-examination, dismisses the jury, and the the, uh, cross-examination to that extent never continues. DOJ came up with all sorts of excuses about these incriminating messages. They were classified information. Oh, this had to do with an old case file, blah, blah, blah. Um, So at any rate, these incriminating messages that show more malfeasance by the FBI and DOJ have now been removed from the spreadsheet uh, called classified and sensitive information. And this FBI agent and the entire agency got off the hook once again. This before I turn to cash. How can you keep information classified if it could be used in somebody's defense? Isn't there some mechanism that the jury they go behind and some they throw the press out, but that the jury still still you can downgrade it enough so the jury can see it if it's about a man or a woman going to prison for a while. You would think so in a fair system of justice. You would think that that would be the case, but Judge Tim Kelly took the spreadsheet from the defense, told them they couldn't review it again, couldn't share it, couldn't use it, gave it. So the DOJ unilaterally decided on its own without anyone there what was classified or sensitive, took out the messages, gave it back to the defense or scrubbed clean of anything that they didn't want the jury to hear, limited, severely limited the cross-examination. And Steve, more outrageously, this judge, Tim Kelly, has not yet held a hearing on clear Sixth Amendment violations, and there's no indication when he will. Can you hang on for a second, Julie? Julie Kelly's with us. We have cash, but we're going to take a short commercial break. We'll return to this quite controversial issue about American justice and J6 in a moment. Buy gold and get a free safe to store it in. That's right. On qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group now through March 31st, they'll ship a free safe directly to your door. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. Here's the deal. The Fed keeps raising rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. And guess what? It's not working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. You've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Let me repeat that. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Whether physical gold and silver in your own safe or through an IRA in precious metals, where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, text Bannon to 989898. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you, the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because of EnviroCleanse, advanced mineral technology goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including COVID. EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy and flaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. 
Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com and use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, uh, welcome back. I want to bring in Cash Patel. So before the break, Cash, Julie was blowing my head up, and I'm not a lawyer, but I, I can't, it's hard for me to get my hands around that this is the American justice system. Um, and particularly, you know, D.C., this is like the, the, the uh, Yankee Stadium of federal courts and federal judges, right? I mean, this is the big leagues. Um, it, it's pretty stunning. So is is Julie... Correct in what she's talking about, or, or is is this misinterpretation from a non-lawyer? No, look, as, as a former public defender, I was a federal public defender who tried 60-some-odd cases to jury conviction, um, and a former national security prosecutor prosecuted terrorists and national security cases involving classified information. What I see here is the bastardization of due process, not just by DOJ and FBI, but by the judicial system, who's supposed to be the check on all of it when rogue prosecutors suppress evidence. And I can tell you, as a federal public defender, I caught prosecutors hiding exculpatory evidence too often. And it took a mountain to lift to get that in front of a federal judge to show them the evidence necessary to get them to rule our way. And that's what needs to happen, unfortunately, in this case, is some of these defense attorneys are gonna have to take on DOJ and the courts. And the key here is to show the judge that they were lied to by the DOJ and FBI. That's how you win here. That's how you expose the information that's being suppressed to so many of these defendants. You can't talk about it writ large. It is due process for the prosecutor to divulge every piece of information, including exculpatory and impeachment evidence. We call it Brady and Giglio, but it's a constitutional right for the Supreme Court for every defendant. But it's on the defense attorney to make the case uh, to the judge to say, judge, not only did they did they suppress this information to violate the law, but they, the DOJ and FBI, lied to you, the court, which is a contempt of court charge, a separate charge that the judge can levy himself. That's the only way I've ever found that you can get a judge to act. We, we know that President Trump will, will take care of this and act upon this uh, upon his return to the White House. But what can we do today? What 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 do you recommend? What can this audience do or what, what action? has to take place. Well, what, what's Cash's recommendation? Every piece of video evidence that hopefully comes out more and more, whether it's through Tucker or whether Speaker McCarthy gives it out, and every piece of money, every single source that was utilized by the FBI Metro PD was funded by taxpayer dollars. Congress has to go get those documents, just like we got the Christopher Steele and Stefan Halper documents to show the corruption at the FBI and DOJ. I believe you're going to find the same level of corruption here with the FBI and DOJ's involvement with January 6th. Congress has to subpoena those documents. The public must demand that. Secondly, the defense needs assistance in these cases, and the public must come to their aid by scouring through every piece of paper that Congress produces and every second of videotape that we see now on January 6th to show acts of violence by either law enforcement personnel or sources, the likes of Ray Epps, and then show acts of innocence that now we've seen with the videotape footage that has just been released by Tucker. We need to do that on an ongoing basis, and these defense attorneys need assistance identifying specific items for their defendants so they can take it and file it in federal court. That is the only way we are going to see a result in the next two years, short of the next Trump administration, is with a defense attorney who will show that evidence was withheld, the DOJ lied, and they lied to the judge. Even as powerful as Tucker is, I mean, it's pretty evident after the first night, somebody at senior command of Fox News or the Murdochs themselves pulled the plug in any new footage. We haven't seen any new footage, I don't believe, since that first night, which was explosive in and of itself. You've had, you know, the mother, the QAnon Shamanon. You've had some great shows, but I think it's pretty obvious. There, It looks like no more is coming in that route. Do you disagree with me? Does it look like that that? Is it, of the 44,000 hours, we've kind of got what we've got at least till, till now until McCarthy makes a decision about releasing the rest or even putting it out there to be crowdsourced? 
I mean, Matt Boyle interviewed McCarthy on uh, Breitbart the other week, I think just Friday, and McCarthy doubled down and said, I'm yeah. going to release all the footage. So for right now, I got to take the guy at his word. He kicked off Swalwell and Schiff and all that stuff. He said he was going to yeah. release the footage. He did it in part by giving it to Tucker. So maybe in the next week or so, we'll see. If it doesn't happen in the next week or so, then I think we revisit the conversation. But he said he's doing it. Okay, hang on for a second. Let me go back. Uh, Julie, your thoughts on, on the footage. I mean, Tucker's first night, was explosive enough. I think it got this entire conversation for the nation. Going. I think he had 4 million people watch that night. I'm not sure new footage has come out there. Not that I don't think Tucker Carlson wants to put it out. I think higher ups, in, including the ownership structure of Fox, may not be that enthusiastic because of how explosive this was. Uh, your, your thoughts about the footage. If, if, if McCarthy and Matt and uh, Cash is right, Matt Boyle is the very first question I asked him. And and Speaker McCarthy is pretty straightforward. Hey, I'm giving this to other news organizations, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, what do you think needs to happen here? Particularly, I don't even trust news organizations now. I, I think it's got to be crowdsourced, like like Cash says, like like uh, we do. We crowdsource 3,500 war room volunteers. Crowdsource all of the Pfizer documents with uh, with Naomi Wolf. But it took that kind of effort. I think 220 lawyers, 225 lawyers, 3,500 volunteers some of whom were very sophisticated researchers to crowdsource those documents about the vaccine. What, what, where do you think we stand and what's your recommendation? So I supported initially giving this to Tucker because it had to be a surgical strike. It had to land with maximum impact, which is exactly what it did. If we would have had a bunch of internet uh, researchers or different accounts who are flooding the zone with different clips, um, maybe making mistakes there, that would have really undermined the impact that we know that Tucker's presentation had. You don't have the Senate Majority Leader run to the Senate floor the morning after uh, Tucker Carlson's show and force or condemn or order the Murdochs to take him off the air if they did not see how this was affecting uh, their narrative unraveling in real time. So I do still think it was the right approach. Now, moving forward, I mean, I would like to see it. I know certain cameras I want to see. I want to see movements of certain police officers and certain protesters to see exactly what happened to them. So I do support that. Now, I want to add one thing to what Cash was saying, how to hold um, this entire process accountable. It's way overdue time to impeach a judge or two. I can't even remember the last time a federal judge was impeached, let alone one in D.C. What these judges are doing has to be a huge part of any select uh, January 6th committee. As I told you, Stephen, I know this clip really went viral. The judges here are the villains. They are supposed to be the ones, number one, protecting the rights of defendants, protecting the Constitution and due process, and catching the government um, in this adversarial process because they control all the evidence. Um, of hiding evidence, manipulating evidence, doctoring evidence, destroying evidence, which they just talked about last week in the Proud Boys trial. You can't have someone like Judge Tim Kelly, by the way, a DOJ, uh, cre a creature of DOJ, not just main DOJ, by the way, but who worked for years for the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, the same office prosecuting every January 6th. This is the case. This is the incestuous old boys and girls club in this tiny town of Washington. Um, and you see this judge who not only has ties to the same people handling the case, but fully invested in convictions because of what he's already done up until this point. The, ju the judges in the D.C. District Court need to also be held to account and let the American people see and read what they've been doing as well. You know, it's stunning, and I'm getting back on, but Jeff Shepard, who, who was a, a young guy in the White House Counsel's Office in Nixon's White House, has made it his life's work since Watergate to write a couple of books, The Real Watergate Scandal, and I think he's got another one. He goes through, and he, what's shocking is when you see it through the documents that, he's, that have been released by Jaworski's uh, of files, all these files that got released, he's put together a document trail that completely throws out the, the Woodward Bernstein thing is like some sort of lightweight part of it. He makes this compelling case of, uh, of this illegal interaction between mm -hmm. the, the staffs over in the Hill, but really the prosecutors in DOJ and the judges, including Judge Sharika, having I mean, when you read it, I'm not a lawyer, but when you read it, it blows you away. But his point on Watergate is exactly the point you're making now on J6. He's saying, hey, the story that's never been told is the, is the work of the federal judges with 
prosecutors, which were with no defense attorneys around, totally, totally inappropriate with Hill staffers leaking information. He said they, they, form, they basically formed, they have a, they actually have a document they had called the roadmap to prosecutions that they were, they were dead set on getting Nixon from the very beginning and kind of worked this through. So very explosive here. Julie, uh, there's so much more to talk about here. What, what is your, your reporting has been incredible to keep people uh, on top of this. Uh, how do people get you on both your social media and how do they get to the book? Thanks so much, Steve. So the book is available at Amazon. All of my work can be found at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I spend a lot of time on Twitter, uh, Julie underscore Kelly, too, following these trials in real time, posting snippets of motions that have been filed, and even more important, the transcripts uh, of what's happening in these trials. You can't cover these trials by phone. You have to go to D.C. and see them in person. Unfortunately, they should be made public. Uh, But to the extent that the transcripts are available, I continually post updates of what's happening in that trial and other trials and sentencing hearings as well. No, it's been incredible. And your Twitter uh, feed is must for anybody that's watching this at all. So thank you. Honored to have you on here, Julie Kelly. Thank you, Steve. Cash, I'm going to pivot to national security. Anything that anything that's come up in this in, in Julie's part of this that you want to comment on before I play a cold open for you? Uh, no, all I say is, Steve, thank you for launching the Jan 6 Justice for All video and song exclusively last week. It's number one five days later. The Oscars tried to use Lady Gaga to knock it out of number one on Sunday night. It's still number one. We're raising six figures for January 6th families. Thank you, the War Room Posse, for launching Justice for All. It's unreal what this song is doing. I, I want to say I understand from from very uh, uh, knowledgeable sources that Lady Gaga's dad is a big fan of the War Room. They say, hey, look, we love you. We love your daughter. We love all of it. But hey, it was cash. It was the J6 uh, choir and President Trump. Incredibly moving. I, I knew from the moment you talked to me about it, uh, Cash, it would burn down the Internet. But I, I wasn't I wasn't ready for what a great job John Rich and others had to produce that. It's so moving and so powerful. And it'll be number one for a while. We push it out. We try to push it out every day. So thank you. That We've got a cold open for you. Let's go ahead and play it. And then I want you to respond on, on different things that happen today in national security. And then maybe the most newsworthy response that we received was from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. DeSantis has well-known views on many topics, of course, but until tonight, no one could really say with precision where he stood on the war in Ukraine, which is arguably the most important topic in the world. And now we know. DeSantis is adamantly opposed to the position that most Republicans in Washington have taken on Ukraine. DeSantis is not a neocon. Who knew? Quote, While the U.S. has many vital national interests, DeSantis writes, securing our borders, addressing the crisis of readiness within our military, achieving energy security and independence, and checking the economic, cultural, and military power of the Chinese Communist Party, becoming further entangled in a territorial dispute between Ukraine and Russia is not one of them. Without question, he writes, peace should be the objective. The U.S. should not provide assistance that could require the deployment of American troops, or enable Ukraine to engage in offensive operations beyond its borders. F-16s and long-range missiles should therefore be off the table. These moves would risk explicitly drawing the United States into the conflict and drawing us closer to a hot war between the world's two largest nuclear powers. That risk is unacceptable. DeSantis goes on to oppose the policy of regime change in Moscow, which is very popular in Washington, And he points out that the Biden administration has created an alliance between Russia and China, and that's a disaster for the United States. Quote, we cannot prioritize intervention in an escalating foreign war over the defense of our own homeland, especially as tens of thousands of Americans are dying every year from narcotics smuggled across our open border and our weapons arsenals critically for our own security are rapidly being depleted. So that's DeSantis's position clarified. Now to our breaking news, a Russian jet has forced down a U.S. drone over the Black Sea after damaging its propeller. Brianna, this played out early this morning over international waters of the Black Sea, according to U.S. Air Force Europe. An MQ-9 Reaper drone, a U.S. Air Force surveillance drone or spy drone, was flying over the Black Sea when, according to the Air Force, two Russian fighter jets conducted what they're calling an unsafe and unprofessional interception. So somehow that Russian fighter jet managed to damage the propeller, forcing the U.S. to bring down the drone in international waters. And U.S. Air Force Europe issued a statement. Let me read you a part of this. 
This incident demonstrates a lack of competence in addition to being unsafe and unprofessional. These aggressive actions by Russian aircrew are dangerous and could lead to miscalculation and unintended escalation. Okay, I want to bring in Cash Patel, who was over at DNI, uh, was in the House Intelligence at DNI, and then was Chief of Staff at the Pentagon. Let's take the last first. This is what you and I in the White were always concerned about. You, you start getting too close, either in Syria or, or here in Ukraine, in just the fog of war, things are going to happen. The next thing you know, you're going to have a. This is this is what the escalation and the accelerationists want. They want these assets. Uh, next to the Russian assets, neither, and I'm not trying to say the Russians are blameless here, but this is about uh, this is about what's going to happen. As this, this is how escalation starts uh, inadvertently and the law of unintended consequences. Cash Patel. Yeah, let's just uh, uh, sort of set the landscape of what an MQ-9 Reaper is. This is like the F-35 of drones. It's like the 747 jumbo jet commercial airliner version. This is not something that fits in like your, uh, you know, little caddy bag when you go traveling. This is a behemoth. And we're talking about an MQ-9 Reaper. Was it armed? Was it unarmed? We use these. This is public information. MQ-9 Reapers are used to execute complicated drone strikes, kinetic strikes around the world. Was it collecting intelligence? Did it have a SIGINT probe on it? How many tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars were wasted when, by the downing of this aircraft? And Steve, let's just pause there. The downing of a United States drone by the Russian military. Why is President Joe Biden not front and center at the White House at a podium demanding Putin explain what happened? And if it wasn't an absolute mistake, then there better be retributions. This is the failure in leadership from our commander in chief. And the media will barely cover it. But the fact, just think about this. What if an MQ-9 Reaper drone went down during the Trump administration that Putin took out? It would be headline news for a month as it should be. There needs to be an investigation. People need to remind themselves the seriousness of this. Or, and oh, by the way- first, I think this is the key, yeah. By the way, they would have started an impeachment trial if Trump hadn't hit, hit something back. You know, he's too soft on Putin. But Trump wouldn't have had the Reaper up, you know, over the Black Sea to, to get, this is the problem. And this is what the accelerationists and the, the people are pushing, what they want to do is push some sort of conflict so you can have an Article 5 situation and next thing you know, you got guys shooting at each other. And I'm not saying the Russian pilots weren't cowboys here, right? It's very little information yeah, coming yeah. out, but it looks like, you know, they've been saying, they said already they're dangerous and reckless. Of course, that's the Pentagon saying it. But what are your thoughts about, we just have too many assets over there. Uh, you know, it's not supposed to be our war. It's not even supposed to be our proxy war, right? W w are you concerned about, we got so many assets over there right now? Naval assets, air assets. We've got, we're actually doing the targeting for them. We now know we're doing... AI targeting for him, sir? So what it is, Steve, it's the uh, too cute by a half scenario. We've got DOD contractors on the ground in Ukraine, so we can say we don't have American conventional forces on the ground in Ukraine. And when you shift that to aerial assets, it's the same thing. What they're saying is we have unmanned aerial vehicles and assets both in the air and sea. And when they get shot down, it's okay, no big deal. There wasn't an American in it. But of course, the worst catastrophe if there was any American involved. But I think this administration is using that excuse or that justification to say we're not really there when we're doubling down. And I agree with you. I don't think we should be spending hundreds of millions of dollars to fly these vehicles that cost hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to no, collect intelligence this, for the this Ukraine. Is a major, yeah. Why this don't a, we fly this is a major border? weapons platform. Yeah. Why don't we fly <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Cash, quickly, you're one of the architects of the American First uh, National Security Policy in its practice. Uh, Ron DeSantis has always been with the neocons. And, and last night when Tucker, when Tucker read DeSantis' response, the Twitter went nuts. The neocons, it, I, I kept putting up, it was sad. They were brokenhearted. Walk us through how important what DeSantis, and of course, the war impossible is going to light me up. Say, Bannon, he's still not saying they got to no more money now. But he did say it's not in the vital national security interest or even the national security interest. He called it a regional border conflict, which broke their hearts. How big a deal is this? Look, any leader that says that, in my opinion, is saying the right thing because we don't need to get dragged into World War III. As Donald Trump said last night, he's the only one that can prevent World War III. And Ron DeSantis has a platform, whether you like him or not, put that aside. If any leader with Boston, the Republican conservative movement can say, can take on the defense industrial complex and the goons in, con in Congress who want us 
in, embedded in another 20-year war, then we have to listen. So I'm glad that he's saying we don't need another conflict, not to mention the fact that we have an invasion in our southern border and Chinese fentanyl pouring through that we need to take care of first and our vets. Let's not forget them. But I'm glad that there's, there's another voice out there, not just President Trump. Trump. Trump's been saying it rightfully so since day one. We need more voices to say it because that's the only way you take out the defense industrial complex, which owns so many politicians in Washington, D.C., which is why we have unmanned aerial vehicles and MQ-9 Reaper drones flying over the Caspian in the Ukraine, because when one gets shot down, they'll fund the next one to get paid. So the cycle keeps going. So the more voices, the better. I'm glad we're talking about them on, on uh, yeah, we're moving the Overton window, uh, and uh, this audience is doing a great job. Cash, uh, quickly, uh, all your content, how they get to the J6 Choir, how they get to your order the book, uh, as soon as it's out of DOJ and DOD, and how they get to all your content. Thanks. Yeah, just go to fightwithcash.com, fightwithcashforthek.com. Buy the song, buy the song, buy the song. Justice for all. It's number one. Let's keep it going. All net proceeds to Jan6 families. The hashtag J6PCT of T-shirt we made. We only have a couple hundred left out of the couple of thousand. Fightwithcash.com for the t-shirt, all net proceeds to Jan6 families. And of course, check out all our material at fightwithcash.com. And I'm on Truth Social at Cash. Thanks, Steve. Cash, thank you very much. Cash Patel, former chief of staff of the Department of Defense, one of the senior advisors to President Trump on national security. We're going to be back here live. I commit to you, the shows tomorrow will be every bit as good as the shows today, maybe even better. See you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. in the world. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.